Look, I'm gonna let you pick out your switch. This this is coming out before that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to listen to tomorrow's TFTC to get that joke with Whitney Webb. I'll do it tomorrow. You better. What's up, freaks? Great rep. RHR 251. I'm in a bit of a hurry. I have to get home. So we have a shout out to our sponsors. Unchained. Here to a little here to hold here to hold. Hold on. You okay? Uh, I think so. Unchained is here, here to, to hodl. <laughs> Unchained is here to help you hodl your Bitcoin with their vault product. Help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model while holding your own keys to a three multi-seek vault. If you are uh, an institution, high net worth individual, you're looking to secure your Bitcoin, you don't want third-party risk centralized on an exchange, go sign up and get a vault, two or three multi-seek. You hold two keys, Unchained is one. You always have control of your Bitcoin. You can move it and then Unchained's there uh, to be uh, the second of the two or three multi-sig um, if you need them. They also have a trading desk. If you want to buy Bitcoin, large amounts of Bitcoin, smaller amounts of Bitcoin, a few thousand dollars, uh, you set up the vault, you buy Bitcoin via their trading desk and it goes straight to your vault. You don't have to pull out any wallets, any addresses. You, you have the peace of mind knowing that you buy Bitcoin, it goes straight to your multi-sig cold storage. Beautiful thing. Beyond that, they have their lending desk. there. Uh, IRA, if you want to transition your IRA into Bitcoin, hold your own keys, you can do that via Unchain too, building the Bitcoin financial company of the future using Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. Go to unchained.com. Check them out. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at CoinKite. CoinKite is here building the best hardware in the space. Uh, yeah, their MK4 wallet. It's got two secure elements, NFC enabled. You create your private public key pairs offline in an air-gapped wallet. You can add entropy to it via dice rolls as well. It's the most secure wallet in the game. Uh, they also have their Q1, which is a bigger form factor. Got a full keyboard, a QR scanner, battery pack, same internal guts with the two secure elements uh, and the ability to add entropy and all that stuff. They also have the SATS card, the tap signer. They have this block clock that's right behind me. Again, best hardware in the game. Go to coinkite.com. Check it out. Try the code RHR. We, we don't know. Just try it and just put in random letters and see if you get something off. Enjoy this, Red Freaks. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Ooh, hoo, 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 doggy. We could have named this rip. Back to the bank run. The banks are still failing. We have positive. I think we could name every rip. Every rip this year, we could just name the bank runs continue. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. We'll get to it. Obviously, big topic this week. A lot going on. The banks are failing. But there's good things going on in Bitcoin. We gotta gotta focus on the good. A lot of bad going on. There's also a lot of good going on. We're gonna bring you both today in this rip. Well, I mean, I think I, that's a good framing, Marty, because I think it's important 
it's important that first of all that we be aware of everything that's going on around us right and we try and help the freaks be aware week in and week out with rabbit hole recap um and i i as a result i think both of us have been accused of being doomers many times um but i think another key facet of rabbit hole recap is focusing on actionable change things that we can actually control things that can actually you know bring hope and optimism to the world um and on that note uh, the reason we titled this episode $10 million for open source developers uh, and open source projects is because uh, I'm very proud and uh, grateful to announce that uh, Jack Dorsey's foundation, Start Small, has contributed $10 million to OpenSats, um, the nonprofit foundation uh, that I co-founded with uh, Ben Price Two years ago, two and a half years ago, we're 100% passed through. Um, we don't take a cut of any donations like a lot of nonprofits do. Um, and as a result, we've been very much bootstrapped. Um, you know, most of our operations budget has, you know, been cobbled together because we can't take any percentage out of um, our donations by design. Um, so Jack was kind enough to contribute $10 million dollars. Um, 5 million of that is going to be dedicated to Nostra projects. Uh, so we have, uh, basically we're setting up a Nostra fund. So if people want to donate, by the way, you can go to opensats.org. All the information's there. Um, you can donate to this Nostra general fund is, is where you're going to be able to donate. And any money that goes there will be, will be earmarked for Nostra projects. Um, we're going to have a separate subcommittee for the Nostra projects. Um, so we're setting up that subcommittee now um, with people that are, are neck deep in the Nostra ecosystem. Then uh, we also have the remainder of that $10 million. A small portion is going into our operations fund uh, per Jack's request uh, to fund our operations. We're going to bring in Gigi full time uh, to run it, which I'm very excited about. The dude's an absolute fucking legend. Uh, and he's already taken massive ownership and responsibility over uh, it, which is absolutely wonderful to see. I, I just love that dude. He's a brother. Um, and then Harper um, will be operating underneath him. Harper has been uh, pivotal in OpenSats. Uh, many people know Harper from his work uh, doing programming at Bitcoin Magazine. Um, he has also been helping out with operations at OpenSats for very little money. Um, and I'm extremely appreciative of him. He's amazing. Um, so he will be um, helping Gigi out on the operations side. Um, the OpenSats board is comprised of nine Bitcoiners. Um, if people have been paying attention, we used to have, uh, the full board is listed on the website. We used to have uh, Katan um, and Udi on the board. Uh, they have both since stepped down, uh, Udi due to cultural differences, to say the least. Um, and Katan, because we got into a fight about mempools. No, Katan just had had life priorities to deal with. Um, so replacing them uh, is MVK and Gigi are going to be on the nine-person board. Um, and then, a, you know, a little bit, slightly less than $5 million will go into the general fund, which gets... Um, gets granted out uh, to different projects that apply 
on the website, opensats.org slash apply. So the general fund is Bitcoin and, and other free and open source projects, contributors to those projects. Um, we want to do like core dev, uh, you know, funding. We want to do funding of all these different open source projects. So you can apply at opensats.org slash apply. And just a reminder, the nine person board, we take no money. Uh, uh, we've, we've been working tirelessly at OpenSats, uh, for years now. Um, and, and we get, we get paid nothing for it. Uh, but what we do get paid in is the wonderful, warm, fuzzy feeling of, of uh, hopefully changing the world into a better place, uh, on the back of free and open source software and the contributors that make it possible. Uh, because most of these contributors, uh, donate their time, their energy, their efforts for free um, and are oftentimes not compensated for it. But free and open source software is what makes this movement possible. Uh, it's inherently viral in nature. It's not controlled by any individual company or entity. Um, it can be built on top of, it can be modified, it can be improved, it can be distributed in all sorts of ways. Um, and I strictly just would not have hope in this world, really, if it wasn't for free and open source software. Freedom Tech is what's going to make this world a better place for ourselves, our children, our grandchildren. Um, and I'm just proud to do my small part to try and make that a reality. Well, thank you, sir. Number one. Number two, you should be proud. Number three, thank you, Jack Dorsey. And number four, uh, I don't know why I'm listing numbers, but... This is, I think the existence of OpenSats is extremely important. It actually harkens back to the conversation I had with Steve Barber last week where, I mean, it's incredible. You have companies like Nidig and Square via Spiral and, or Block, excuse me, via Spiral um, and other entities, corporate entities contributing to open source development, supporting developers. But Steve brought up an interesting point of even if these companies are funding developers, there is that weird thing where the developers may not want to bite the hand that feeds them. And the fact that open sats exists is no strings attached really doesn't have uh, any motives or agendas to push particular things. Just want to support developers building in the space. I think is a great addition to the mix of open source development contributions that we've seen to date. So shout out to you, Ben, who's actually right outside this wall right now. Everybody else at OpenSats, um, I know you guys have been working hard. I can attest to the fact that they work very hard and tireless, tirelessly. I think I can recall at least three board calls that I've, I've been in the room where Matt's on them um, working hard. They're not just dicking around. They're doing hard work. Um, and it's going to be good for Bitcoin at the end of the day. So shout out to you. Shout out to Ben, everybody else at OpenSats. Shout out to GG. Congrats on the new gig. I think that's going to help you guys level up significantly. Um, we're going to do this. Matt, you're a perfect example of if not me, then who? Get out there and do it. We were sitting in my fucking studio apartment in Brooklyn four years ago with two mics in our hand. Look at you now. We're going to win, Marty. We're going to win. We are. And it could be, and the reason I bring that up is because any of you freaks listening, it could be you. Matt and I were just a couple Bitcoiners on Twitter five, six years ago. Started this podcast, started OpenSats. 
1031 mining. That's the beauty of Bitcoin. It's the beauty of open source. If you want to contribute, you can in many different ways. I don't think Matt and I can write a lick of code, but we do the best we can to um, contribute in other ways. You can't code. I, I was going out on a limb saying that. I don't know if you can code or not. We just we just try our best. We try our best to to help where we can help. Um, yeah. No. It's uh, yeah. We're gonna win. Oh, also with Open Stats, by the way, you can donate with credit card. I know I'm announcing a ten million dollar donation. So, um, and it's a bear market in a recession. So you don't have to donate. I don't think I'm asking you to donate, but you can donate via credit card if you don't want to donate with Bitcoin. You can get a tax deduction when you do donate because we're a five hundred one c three, which, by the way, was a complete pain in the ass to set up. And huge shout out to Ben Price for making that happen. I told him it was never going to happen, and he was like, "It's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. We're going to get it." Um, but we hold all of our funds in Bitcoin. An eagle-eyed freak noticed on Twitter that we that on the website it said Silvergate is a partner. They are obviously no longer a partner. Um, but we did not get rugged because we hold all of our funds in Bitcoin, and all grants are paid out in Bitcoin. Um, so while uh, the general fund is not limited to Bitcoin projects. It's just the, the mandate is free and open source contributors um, and supporting free and open source contributors. Um, so like we have, we're working with Tor to support Tor as well. But any any contributors that want to receive a grant from us do have to accept Bitcoin. That is our one, uh, that is our one requirement. And um yeah, it's just I, th these bank runs, I think, were a perfect example of, you know, a lot of people m when we first launched thought maybe, oh, it was reckless that they just hold all their donations in Bitcoin. Um, but I think it's reckless not to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time to stack Bitcoin, too. You guys, you guys time this, uh, this $10 million funding pretty well, if you ask me. Can balloon into $20 million. 40 million who knows i mean it, it there's no treasury like it was just smash bought into bitcoin so <laughs> thank you for supporting the price we'll, we'll, we'll see we can that we can. is our our mandate as soon as we receive dollars it gets converted into bitcoin there's no trading strategy there's no like dollar cost averaging in. it just gets converted into bitcoin i will want to i i do want to address the elephant in the room um <laughs> Uh, which MBK's is Finch on the board in the comments saying you're MBK's a hypocrite. On the board you're a hypocrite. All, all this bullshit. I will say that um, he is going to be repenting for his views on certain things by having to dedicate hours of his time going through grant proposals for no money. Um, so cheers to him for that. You got to. You gotta get your repentance, NBK. Speaking of that, and it's think? a nine-person board for a reason. None of us have really unilateral control by any means. It's that's a big board, and people have given me shit about that too. A nine-person board, but I've seen, that's I've seen board. how corrupted people can get in the space, and and it's important that you know, um, power is distributed. Do you need unanimous votes from the board or majority? No unanimous votes. No, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. You need a super majority to kick out a board member and you need a simple majority for the grants. All right. Good enough. And all funds are held in multi-sig. <clears throat> Let's go. All right. As we just heard, 
the open sets team is contributing to supporting the Bitcoin price. And according to Clark's dashboard, the current price of Bitcoin is 28,840 cuck bucks. One cuck buck is going to get you 3,467 sats. We are currently at block height 788,280. We had a difficulty adjustment earlier today. That was a negative difficulty adjustment, which is surprising considering what's been going on in the fee market. I'm sure we'll touch on that. Uh, if you've been mining on brains pool in any pool, but I just I mine on brains and get the updates on their blocks. They've had at least three blocks with more than one Bitcoin in fees today alone. So I'm sure we'll discuss that as well. Uh, we are currently 100, excuse me, 1,992 blocks away from the next, next adjustment right now estimated to be on May 18th. So that's exactly two weeks from today. Uh, not good data because we're only 24 blocks from the difficulty adjustment that was earlier today. Right now, the estimated change is 0.5% upward adjustment. Block's been coming in at 9 minutes, 59 seconds on average. Clark's mempool has 111,566 transactions in it. Uh, if you want to get your transaction in the not next block, according to Clark's dashboard, you're going to need 130 sats per vvite. And according to mempool.space, you're going to need 129. So there's a little discrepancy there. Uh, but right around the same ballpark, uh, around 130 sats per byte. There are currently 7,000, where is it? 7,120. Did you see Finch's, Finch's uh, upgrade? We need to have, uh, Clark, we need a, a, a section that says how many mempool-related bets are currently outstanding. For the freaks that were listening last week, we did not do another bet. But I would be Are you going to do one? You want to do one? Yeah, I mean, I like free money. I'm giving pool. you the advantage because we're difficulty adjusted down and mempools have cleared a little bit. Where are they at right now? So, 110 what bucks. Is it, 100,000 really sats? You owe me 100,000 sats right now. So, you just want to double or nothing it? Yeah. Did you see me lose my cool on Twitter the other day? I feel it in my bones. Mempools are literally yeah, clear yeah. again. Caps, Caps Odell came out for half a tweet. I saw that. I have a bet with Finch for a round of golf. Uh, and I have a bet with uh, Bitcoin Q&A. Love that, dude. Uh, for 50,000 sets. Hmm, double or nothing. What are the terms? I'm just, one? if you freaks haven't realized, I'm. this is basically transaction fee insurance on my side. This is the, it's a beautiful transaction fee insurance uh, market. That is that is opening up live on RHR. What are the terms of this of this double or nothing bet? That's what I want to know. Should I'm we not do the same terms as last time? No, I'm not doing clear twice. I want to do clear once. I want the advantage in this wow, one. Wow, someone someone's expecting mempools to be full for a while. Um, no. Okay, we can do, we can do it once. I don't care. What once between now and when? I mean, your lack of conviction is obvious. No, no, I just, I just want better, uh, but, better odds. By end of year. End of year, I like that. I like that end of year. How about how about the day before Christmas? Christmas Eve. <laughs> also known as Christmas Eve. Um, why, why pick an arbitrary date like that? I think end of year is... Because people aren't going to transact on Christmas. So if I get fucking rugged on Christmas, I want a little bit of a hedge. 
Well, I want a great Christmas present, so this is where we're in a bit of disagreement here. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to give me Christmas Eve? I'm giving you great terms. Finch is saying January 1st, 2024 at uh, 0000. That's UTC. me and his bet. All right, I'll just hop on that one. No, I, I want Christmas Eve. The day before Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving fuck. Eve. Fuck no. Um, all right, we'll do Christmas Eve. August 31st. We'll do Christmas Eve <laughs> because my... Uh, the last bet was August 1st because I bet the summer doldrums would would clear out the mempool. We didn't even need summer doldrums. We just need a temporary lull in ordinals. Yeah, a lot I'm, of people. I'll probably hop, lose my money. A lot of people hopping down my throat for a throwaway tweet that was somewhat tongue in cheek, but what throwaway tweet? I don't know, it was like the ordinals fad came and went pretty quickly. Oh yeah, I mean, it spiked right after you said that. Did it spike though? Like. Or was it like BRC20? And I think that's connected to ordinals, but. They're like inscribing text to yeah, make like tokens. JSON, it's like JSON snippets or something like that. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, Bitcoin in the comments is speculating that I'm secretly the ordinal spammer. I'm definitely not. Because um, if I was, mempools would never clear. I would never let a gap happen. <laughs> seems pretty expensive just think about it i don't know if you look at it too there's it's a lot very of, uh... expensive that's the whole fucking point the whole point is that transaction fees are supposed to price out spam like we're not supposed to be deciding what transactions are happening on the network that's why it, transaction fees exist yeah, it does spam block space exist. is scarce spam does not exist block space is less scarce than it was in like 2017 exactly that's that's why my that's part of my thesis is that we've extended the period where mempools are still clearing, but at some point we're going to hit a point where mempools will never clear again. Well, like that, that point will happen at some time. No, because I don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen at some time. And I think it's closer think than so. people realize. I don't think so. Especially as we get closer to the commodification of ASICs and hash rate. There's a, there's a, a topic on the list that maybe we'll dive into it now to tie it into this conversation. Wait, so Marty, you think mempools will always clear? Yes, because especially if fees are so high, people will turn on their ASICs, hash rate will rise, blocks will come in faster, they'll clear eventually, level out, fees will go down, hash rate will turn up, fees will build up, blocks will build up. I think it's going to ebb and flow. But I mean, that's, I mean, you're assuming very little adoption of Bitcoin. Mm, no, I'm just assuming the, that dispatchable hash rate will always outgrow adoption. And then I think there's going to be such a long line to get into to Bitcoin blocks after hyper Bitcoinization. Yeah, but that's the beauty. I think of the it's whole, gonna be so obvious. After that's the fact. beauty of the whole incentive. It seems mechanism. so obvious. So the fees are gonna be so valuable. So if you're if you're assuming that, 
Let me back up. Well, the fees, fees are going to go uh, up. They only get Why is valuable ba- if you have the a price backlog. goes up. Well, yeah. Why do you have a backlog? Assume the price is going up, so there's more demand for Bitcoin. So it's more profitable to mine, so more people plug in. It's ebbs and flows. No. We'll see. We'll see. Disagree. I think that's a very bearish take. No, it's not. I think it's just descriptive of the dynamics of the network at play. I think you can only clear so much of the backlog in a single difficulty adjustment period. Because if, 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 if so your theory is your theory is that like there's a massive backlog. So a bunch of hash comes on essentially just for a single difficulty period. But then no, that difficulty are... period goes by really quickly because what? the more miners that join in in a difficulty period, the shorter the difficulty period is. Like it's the same amount of time in blocks, but the blocks come quicker. So the, the difficulty period goes by quicker. I don't know, but it, just like there's going to be a point where the backlog is just non-clearable. Put this on. Then, if well, you want anyway, to, like, if you really want to get in the technical, topic. if you want to get like the technicals, like at some point, mempools will start dropping certain transactions, and so you have that natural. Nah, but they just get rebroadcast. Go to view more on that on the right chart, the hash rate difficulty chart. There's no miners. There's no miner. Uh, there's. I mean, maybe there are miners. I'm not going to speak. Uh, well, there's nuance. Absolutely this. here. There's dumb miners. But there won't be miners. There's dumb miners. Is that what you said? And they're they're typically the new miners who see price go up, no, no, fees no, go but, up, revenue go up, and they buy. No, that's APN. not my point. The pool operators, the pool operators that are running these nodes, are not running default. I mean, I doubt the smart ones are running default mempool size. Like they probably have fucking lots of RAM and they're holding a lot, a, a very large mempool so that they can keep, so they're not dropping transactions. We'll see. All right. Bet's on Christmas Eve. Well, you agree that we're never going to raise the block size again, right? Like that's never going to that, happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think there will be. Okay. Well, anyway, the though. bet's on. Clark, we'll you flow. need to start tracking the bets. Um, Logan hit back twice and then what do I, Oh, I'm on the wrong website. Uh, insights.brains.com. Go to insight. I'll put it in here. Um, go down and then go to hash rate or excuse me, hash value or excuse me, transaction fees, then open it up to uh, three years. Actually you can go longer, go like five years. We look at like fees as a percentage of the overall reward. Historically, we're still well below the highs of 2017, which aren't even on this chart because if you go all, you'll see 2017. Number go up. Yeah. As a percentage. Yeah. That's it. But that was before you raised the block size. Yeah, and then yeah. So then we're anchoring to twenty twenty. I mean, technically, it's technically after, but like we didn't have segwit transactions. Really, it took a while. Yeah, and there was a spam attack on 
the network back then too. So that's the other thing with the beep. Yes, there was a spam attack. A dust attack, excuse me, to be more um, technically apt. Um, Or technically I mean, someone was literally just trying to raise fees. Yeah. The, um, but that's the thing, going back to like BRC20, who knows what it is, but apparently that's like one of the weird things with this. (laughs) It's somewhat like a dust attack. Uh, where a lot of the UTXOs are 546 set or 64. It's 546, four, five, I think it might be 64. Um, 564 sats, which is the minimum size of a UTXO that you can have. So it looks like they're trying to spend the least amount of sats to get these JSON snippets included in blocks. That creates a problem because then you, how do you consolidate those UTXOs in the future? especially if the fee market's high. It's Sounds another, like mempools will never clear again. It's another technical detail you freaks should be aware of. There is a lower limit. Excuse me. There's a floor on the amount of sats you can put in UTXO. And it's like 546 sats. 64. I will just say that... It's way above my pay grade, um, but Andrew Polstro says we can't easily block any kind of these kind of transactions. Um, no, because then you'll have like a change because people will be filtering and all that shit. And he said transaction fees should just weed them out. And I will just say that. So, so then, how you feel about it is moot because they they can't be blocked. Um, so, how you feel about it is moot. And so then at that point, like, if you want to bet against humans being degens, like, be my guest. But my assumption is that humans will always be degens. And that, of course, shit corners are going to want to use the Bitcoin chain. The Bitcoin chain is the most censorship resistant immutable chain in human existence. Like, this thing's going to outlast all of us. Like, they want to use it for the same reason we want to use it. Agree. Agree. For all the Orinals haters or lovers out there who view me as a hater, I'm more indifferent. That tweet was a throwaway tweet. I was just like, it was actually an inside joke with the RHR crew because mempools cleared. And I was able to rub it in Matt's face. Marty, for this bet, it needs to be two blocks in a row that are not full. How about two? Otherwise, it gets confusing. Like, what is two out of ten? Two out of ten. We had like this whole the last bet. It was like this last bet. It was like, what does Wiz say? It was like who? Like Mm. Wiz was the oracle. It's like, uh, did it clear? I don't. Or the one, the one before that. It was like some iffy period. It was like there was still a backlog, but like the block was empty. It was weird. I don't really care. It's a fun bet. I like gambling. I know. I can tell. I can tell. Well. But you see what I'm saying about transaction fee insurance? Like, I wonder if there's going to be transaction fee insurance markets. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, that's it's been talked about Because I'm going to be a Bitcoin transactor for the rest of my life. I'm going to have to pay transaction fees. So if mempools don't clear again, I would like some kind of payout. Like to buy a, what would it be? To compensate my transaction fees. You'd like to buy a put 
on future transaction fees. Um, so you could sell. High. Right. I want to like lock in my transaction fee yeah. prices for the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, well, this is when you talk about the evolution of hash rate derivatives, the fee fee derivatives are sort of on that, that timeline or that, that quote unquote roadmap. Not that there is a roadmap, but people believe the order of operations will be some sort of hash rate derivative that gets uh, uh, a lot of volume and a lot of liquidity. And then from there, you'll have exchanges uh, wanting to hedge out fee risk because they're arguably the, the largest actors on the chain. Um, and so fee derivatives markets will materialize. But if you talk to Parker Lewis, um, he thinks we're getting put in the cart way in front of the horse. We need the uh, price derivatives to develop a lot more liquidity before we move on to those hash rate and fee derivatives eventually in the future. Um, we're getting into the weeds. Like I said, DGEN's going to DGEN. It's true. It's true. Um, speaking about DGENs, looks like Bhutan, Kingdom of Bhutan, up in the Himalayas. We talked about them last week. Did we talk about them last week or the happened This is not DGEN behavior. This is responsible treasury management by a sovereign nation. I agree. I mean, DGEN just because of the size of the investment they're making now obviously became apparent last week, uh, actually a couple weeks ago, that Bhutan Sovereign Wealth Fund, uh, which is run by... We talked about that. Druck Investment or what is it? Uh, Druck Holding and Investments, uh, which is the investment. We didn't talk about them admitting it. Yes, because they admitted it last Friday. Um, And so they, it became apparent that the sovereign wealth fund of the kingdom of Bhutan was allocated to crypto generally because they got swept up in the block fight and Celsius bankruptcy proceedings. And so um, they're a creditor of BlockFi and Celsius. And since those bankruptcy proceedings are public, uh, it's out of them. Um, and then over the weekend, I believe it was Saturday, uh, Druck holding and holdings and investments came out and made yes, we're, ex- we're allocated to Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, we did have exposure to BlockFi and Celsius, but we also have uh, a pretty considerable mining operation. So it seems that in 2020, uh, when the price of Bitcoin was around $5,000, they allocated $124 million from their fund to mining <laughs> infrastructure and plugged... Uh, it was like for, ideal to get into mining. Yeah, they timed, they're very good allocators. It's the perfect time to get into mining, like right around the last halving. Uh, they're <clears throat> leveraging excess hydroelectricity capacity at their hydro dams throughout the country. Um, and it was they, reading the, uh, the boot... The Bhutanese, which is the local newspaper up in Bhutan, they did a, <coughs> an article on it, um, walking through the talking points from from Druk, and it seems like they're pretty sophisticated. Uh, they understand demand response and not wanting to um, take electricity away from Bhutanese citizens when um, when elect- when hydro capacity is lower than it is in other par- parts of the year. So they do some demand response there, uh, and they're mining Bitcoin, selling what they need to sell to cover their ongoing OPEX, and then holding the rest. So they've been accumulating sats. Besides what they put in BlockFi and Celsius. But they, they mentioned in that article, too, that they did not commingle the mining revenues with, they were separate investments. Um, so they're not, it's not like they're mining It's all Bitcoin. the same bucket, Marty. Yeah. It's all, it's all the same bucket. 
Yeah. Also, yeah. Bhutan is uh, one of the few, only countries in the world with a Ministry of Happiness. That is I read that in the article too. Citizens. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so this, I wrote about it on Monday, but it really validates a lot of what Bitcoiners have been saying for quite some time now, which is that hyper-Bitcoinization will start at the edges, smaller countries that are comparatively disadvantaged to larger countries like the U.S. due to the privilege that the reserve currency gives the United States and similarly the uh, size of the economy of Europe gives them and China uh, and others that the theory has been that smaller countries that are looking to leapfrog themselves onto the international stage or just get themselves in a a better economic situation will adopt Bitcoin first and get into it. Another part of the theory was they'll do it on the down low. It seems that Bhutan hit both those boxes. Um, We probably would not be talking about them if BlockFi and Celsius did not go bankrupt and they were sort of forced into the open with those bankruptcy proceedings. Um, so now they're out and proud they're they're out and this week they announced that's why they're on the list again that uh, they are going to be investing 500 million dollars in I believe a 200 megawatt build out um, no so what they did was this is interesting so they got doxed essentially right this is part of the risk that we talk about for individuals if you use like a Celsius or a BlockFi something that's KYC that information can leak uh, in bankruptcy proceedings, it's very obvious the leaks that gets released. So they leaned into it, right? They said, nope, we've, we've been allocated for a long time. We've been mining. We're very sophisticated. And then they leaned into it even further and they announced this mining fund, which they're not paying for in, in full. Like they're accepting investment. No, but it's a $500 million fund. Like they're accepting foreign investment to expand their mining operation. They're like, if we're exposed anyway, we might as well take other people's money and make money on both sides. That was my reading of it. Yes. Um, now that I recall, and I'm reading the press release, that is exactly what's happening. They teamed up with BitDeer, so that's Jihan Wu's yeah. uh, and a sub-company of Bitmain um, to- It's not a sub-company. Of, it's, it used he to got be, like, I think pushed they out separated it after he got pushed out. All he was. got was BitDeer. Yeah, all he got was BitDeer, and then they went public. Yeah, and so BitDeer is building out the infrastructure, and obviously Jihan, whether you like him or not, very competent mining operator. Don't like him. Not the best trader, um, but he, he understands mining very intuitively, um, probably better than many people on the planet, most people on the planet. Um, so they partnered up. They've got this $500 million fund, so they're going to deploy into it. And there was one thing in here. I don't know if it was here or some other disclosure. Let me find it. Um, it's in a group chat I was in earlier today, but um, really sophisticated. They're moving fast. For context, so, context for the new Bitcoiners, Jihan was leading Bitmain when he made a big Bitcoin cash push and essentially attacked the Bitcoin network trying to uh, accomplish his goals, and he failed. Um, and then... They had like basically monopoly power over Bitcoin mining and they, they had super connections with all the Chinese mining firms um, and different mining pools. Um, at one point, he at least indirectly had control of, of over 50% of the hash. Um, and he never had the balls to switch it all over to Bitcoin Cash because he's afraid to kill his golden goose. And uh, that's the Bitcoin game theory at work right there. Yeah. And uh, another thing we should mention, he when he was in control of Bitmain, they had a firmware backdoor called Amplead, 
that gave yep. Bitmain the ability to brick machines remotely. Um, that was fixed. I believe that was. And they also had. Right. They also had their secret ASIC boost that apparently got Segwit. bricked by the Segwit software. Yeah. Now um, we all have ASIC. They boost. were playing all different. Yeah, they were. They were all. If everyone has ASIC boost, no one has ASIC boost. But they were. They played a lot of shenanigan games, and he was king of the castle, and he fucked it all up because he got greedy. Yeah, I wrote a newsletter about it years ago, but I think Jihan will be remembered as the Icarus of the early Bitcoin days. Flew a little too close to the sun; his wings melted. Him the and rats. Roger. Yeah. Um, but hey, maybe this is a redemption arc for him, Bitdeer, just building out reliable infrastructure for sovereign nations. Um, here's what I wanted to mention. We expect to generate 100 megawatts out of the 550. So this fund will produce 550 megawatts of power that will electrify the miners. Um, where the construction of mining data centers is expected to begin in the second quarter of 2023 and complete in the third quarter of 2023. So we're already in Q2. Um, and they expect to have 100 megawatts built out by Q3, which is pretty quick for that that size of an operation. So it seems, again, uh, the Kingdom of Bhutan. They got is that nice centralized. They also have that nice like centralized government, you know, greasing the wheels and and making everything go super efficient, right? Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, this is a perfect example. So what are they doing? They are essentially taking foreign investment making money off of that foreign investment speculative attacking basically these and these foreign investors are basically building out their energy infrastructure for them um, i think it's already built for out. a small small nation i think it's i don't know if they're building new hydro facilities i think they just have a shit ton of excess capacity that could be soaked up by mining uh, i could be wrong though fair enough i mean i thought i thought at least some new infrastructure had to be put in DHI exists in the betterment of the lives of Bhutanese people today and for generations to follow the partnership with BitDeer to launch a carbon free. God, don't like that marketing, but whatever. Digital asset mining is a center. Well, they want that money. An investment and more connected to the capital raise will be channeled toward greenfield operations in Bhutan, encompassing construction of data centers and acquisition of cutting edge technology. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're building out more capacity. Marty, I like to think that the Bhutanese. Uh, yeah, deal makers over there are just in a room they're like laughing while they write carbon free on it they're like white man's gonna fall for this <laughs> definitely are larry's gonna give us all of his money uh this initiative includes investments in strategic areas such as renewable energy assets that include hydropower green ammonia i'm not sure how that's gonna end hydrogen fuel economy that's a bit of warping um emerging technologies such as blockchain, artificial intelligence, machine learning systems, <laughs> platforms, and the metaverse. Wow. They hit them all. They hit them all in that PR. Yeah. They have a great, great <laughs> fundraising team. If, uh, if the Bhutanese sovereign wealth fund had a stock ticker, it'd be taking off today. Um, but no, <laughs> going back to the broader conversation of like hyper Bitcoinization and the theory that Bitcoiners have been opining on for, or not opining on, but putting out there, for the better part of a decade now, probably longer than a decade, is that smaller countries are highly incentivized to get into Bitcoin earlier, uh, accumulate a large portion of Bitcoin, and then benefit massively as it goes through its monetization process. And it seems like that's exactly what Bhutan has recognized and begin began to uh, implement with their, their strategy via their sovereign wealth fund, which raises the question, um, are there any other sovereign 
nations out there that didn't yes. get caught up in BlockFi and Celsius that are doing the same thing. Especially, I mean, the sanctioned countries can't use BlockFi. So they got protected essentially because BlockFi was an American company, right? And I, I wouldn't be surprised if like FTX was also blocking people. Um, Celsius probably wasn't following sanctions rules. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Just judging by Mashinsky. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, that goes with the thesis is that a lot of these countries, it, it, it benefits them to do it secretly. Yeah, right? You it, don't want people to know you're accumulating. Yeah, because if you tip the cards like, hey, yeah, I'm accumulating Bitcoin, that drives the thought in others' mind like, oh, should I be accumulating Bitcoin? Maybe I should be. And then they get in, raise the hash rate, raise the price, and you don't get as much Bitcoin at the end of the day. So these smaller nations are highly incentivized to do it under the radar. Um, and so this Bhutan gets added to Even the Even the big nations are. Yeah. Right? I mean, you you speculated on Russia, and you still don't haven't given us any sources. Source, source. Yes, I did. I gave the source. sources last week. Basic brokers. I just like source eagle. Source eagles is so good. Um, <laughs> source, source, source. Russia is definitely mining Bitcoin. We've been saying this. For I mean, that's years. public. So it's Venezuela, Russia. The question is how much? Venezuela, Russia, El Salvador, Iran, Iran uh, now Bhutan, North Korea. North Korea, probably, yeah. I mean, it's speculation, but uh, I think with pretty high signal behind it. I mean, they're definitely stealing Bitcoin. We know yeah. they're stealing Bitcoin from exchanges. Yeah. Um, so that's seven or, eight, also uh, seven or eight countries right there. It's a good mix. You get El Salvador. China is probably secretly mining. Yeah, I mean, 20% of the hash rate is still in China. Um, I mean, the United States has Bitcoin on their balance sheet due to all the confiscations, but they sell it all like a bunch of idiots. Um, that's another thing to bring I've up. I've been trying to get the boys at Bitcoin Policy Institute to uh, lobby for a, uh, they don't lobby, but uh, <laughs> encourage a new law to pass that's, uh, that, that all sees Bitcoin must be burnt by US law. They have to provably burn it, send it to one Bitcoin eater address or whatever. I, I like be, that as a rule. I want to be mad. Remove the that. incentive to seize Bitcoin. I, I, I'm, I'm very concerned if there's a strong incentive, and there is a, naturally a strong incentive for governments to to seize their subjects' Bitcoin. Um, yeah, for you freaks who forget or weren't aware of, I mean, they have, I believe, like ninety six thousand of Bitfinexes. Bitcoin that were stolen from their exchange in 2016. That's like the big question looming there. Are they going to give it back to Bitfinex? It rightfully is their Bitcoin, but I, I, Matt and I would probably say that it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. So I responded to Dylan. Yeah, they're not going to give it back. I responded to Dylan LeClaire yesterday on Twitter about mint the coin is back in the press. My One oh, of my yeah. favorite topics. Yeah, you know, mint the damn mint coin. Mint the $1 trillion coin. And I said they should mint the coin and they should stack sats with it. And someone responded to me underneath and they were like, they don't even have to actually stack sats. They just, based on the amount of Bitcoin they have currently seized, which is like in the 200,000 range, mm -hmm. 200,000 Bitcoin or something, they could just pretend like they're going to buy it. They could release a press release and be like, we're going to start accumulating Bitcoin. And like the current Bitcoin that they have seized could probably wipe out the debt. Um, Easily. Or like wipe out a significant portion of the debt. Yeah. Yeah. Because he got 96,000. Interesting 000, incentive. 96,000 from the Bitfinex. And then that dude loaded 
how many did they get from him? Like 60,000 or something like that? Maybe even more? Yeah. So that's at least like 150,000 if those numbers are correct. They keep selling it. They do. They need to burn it. We need to, let's advocate for them to burn the Bitcoin. They should burn. It's If they hold the Bitcoin, we got to make sure Elizabeth Warren knows that if they hold the Bitcoin, they're hurting the environment and that she should be campaigning for them to burn all the Bitcoin. Otherwise, they're complicit. Free freaks are unaware what the U.S. government has done historically with seized Bitcoin, going all the way back to the Silk Road. They used the U.S. Marshals as a vehicle to auction it off. So it was 2013, 2014 was the first auction. And Tim Draper. Yeah, but they don't up. auction off cocaine when they seize cocaine. Yeah, it's like They're weird. complicit. They probably auction off. They're like, giving legitimacy to Bitcoin. They should burn it. They should burn it like they burn their drugs. Burning Bitcoin won't get you high, though. Um, actually, it'll it is get a, diff- a different type of high. Yeah, it's a different type of high. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's a lot of Bitcoin. Burn the coin. Mint the coin. Burn the coin. <laughs> Two different coins. Yeah. Um, should we stay on Bitcoin or should we, now that you mentioned mint the coin, there's a lot of macro to talk about and banking systems. Well, my next to topic, about. before we get to mint the coin, I put the list in an intentional order because Bhutan is fucking crushing it with their Bitcoin strategy. And the Biden administration essentially proposed a ban on Bitcoin mining in America because if you have a 30% tax on mining, you're essentially tax. making every miner unprofitable in America and they're all going to leave. Yes. Uh, very unfortunate to see. Not surprising, though. And with all that being said, from what I can tell, talking to people, I'd be interested to see what the Bitcoin policy guys think. This seems very likely, excuse me, unlikely to pass. Um, and even if it does, it's likely unconstitutional. So it'll get spun up to the Supreme Court rather quickly. But it is a signal from the Biden administration, which hates you um, and is completely aloof and asleep at the wheel, sometimes literally. Uh, they're not forward looking. They don't understand Bitcoin. They're very reactionary. Um, they may even have some uh, incentive on the back end to prevent this because they don't want Bitcoin to succeed because this administration seems to want to very grandly control your life um, and Bitcoin. Uh, lessens their ability to actually exert control over you. Yeah, unfortunate to see. I mean, this was teased a few months ago. Not surprising. Teased a few months ago, and I guess officially um, the blog post came out. You have to remember, like, this is, first of all, this will never pass. I don't think this will pass. Uh, the boys at Bitcoin Policy Institute is, this is one of their main focuses, is is proof of work, is actually mining and protecting proof of work in America. Um, and then the second being self-custody, sovereign usage, you know, using Bitcoin as a freedom tool, running your own node, um, using your own node, holding your own keys. Um, like that's their main focus and that's why they're a breath of fresh air. But I will say once again, like Bitcoin network unaffected. Like if a country decides to make bad policy, like that sucks for the country's citizens. Like that sucks for me and Marty because we're Americans. Uh, but Bitcoin is unaffected and ultimately it's going to hurt America significantly more than it could ever hurt Bitcoin. Um, but this will most likely not pass. And it's a perfect example of election year bullshit or like lead up to election bullshit where we're going to see a bunch of different virtue signal 
politician laws, proposals, all this other shit just to rally up their base, right? It's just like, an, it's, an, it's a nice thing to say like, oh, we're going after the crypto bros. We propose this 30% tax, like vote for me. Yeah, very interesting timing with all this too, with all the banks failing and Bitcoin being a lifeboat and they're trying to kill a lifeboat, burn it, sink it. Yeah, ban a lifeboats, like genius idea. Yeah, very interesting strategy, the lifeboats, Cotton. The lifeboats didn't sink the Titanic. Bold strategy, they Cotton. saved people. Yes. Um, again, not surprising. Likely not going to pass. If it does pass, miraculously in some way, likely unconstitutional um, and will be fought. Um, speaking of the Bitcoin policy guys, they had a great event in D.C. last week. I watched some of those presentations and panels. Really good stuff. They crushed it. Yeah. They really crushed it. Yeah. Shout out to you guys. I'm proud of those guys. Educating. Um, Specifically, shout out David, Grant, and Stephen. You guys have been killing it. Yeah. What else uh, on this tip? Should we go to the banking crisis? Yeah, now we can go to the banking crisis. I just I, like the, it's pretty crazy the dichotomy between the small country of Bhutan and the failing empire of America yeah. and how they're. I mean, but like America has a lot to, like the American government, the corrupt elite have a lot to lose. Yes. If freedom tech spreads while Bhutan has a, a, like only can gain. Everything to gain. So like it is incentives, it is incentives being played out. But if they actually cared about their people, if the American government actually, it's a good litmus test. I think it's a good litmus test going forward of whether or not your country is free if they allow monetary competition. If they allow freedom to choose which money you want to use, if they don't allow that, it's not actually a free country. If Marty asks you, do we even live in a free country and you don't have freedom of, of choice in terms of monetary competition, you don't. You just, period, you don't. You don't. And I remember what I wanted to add there too uh, with your remarks of banning Bitcoin or disincentivizing the spread of Bitcoin in the United States Again, it's only going to hurt United States citizens and it's counterproductive if you actually want to hurt Bitcoin. It actually makes Bitcoin stronger. Bitcoin's anti-fragile. So all you're doing is distributing hash rate, distributing node infrastructure, all that stuff, incentivizing people to run nodes behind Tor in their basements and stuff like that. Um, so if you're the U.S. government, the Biden administration, as we know, there are some friendlies in the government that do like Bitcoin are putting forth a good effort to ensure that it is able to flourish here in the United States. But the current administration is not posturing that way. Uh, and you should take note if you're listening, I know you're listening, sleepy Joe. I know you put, I know you put RHR on when you go to bed at 5 PM on Thursday nights and you listen to our sweet murmur. Join us in the comments. Room. Join us in the live comments on YouTube, Joe. Yeah. I want to see POTUS in the live comments next week. Um, you're, you're only going to make Bitcoin stronger. The, the only winning move is to play. Michael Goldstein uh, said that, I think, a decade ago in 2013. And it's very true. The only winning move in Bitcoin is to play. Bhutan recognizes that. And the U.S. does not, which or the current administration does not, which is very disconcerting as a U.S. citizen. Um, RFK, he's out there. He seems to get it. Very nuanced takes on Bitcoin this week. It's coming out guns a-blazing. He didn't have a nuanced take. 
on Bitcoin. He had like a completely, he has a handler that told him what to tweet out. Yeah, it was nuanced. It was like, hey, particularly around the energy thing. Um, every, every four years, there's a bunch of you guys that decide to simp over someone and then you get rug pulled. I'm not simping. It's going to happen I'm again. I'm not simping. Just okay. stating some observations that I made this week. I observed. I mean, his first tweet was like, it was like crypto Bitcoin, crypto, and blockchain or something. <laughs> it said crypto a lot. Yeah. Keep your dick in your pants. <laughs> Always, dude. Always. <laughs> anyway, he's speaking at Bitcoin 2023. Don't bring my dick into this. Not not Marty's dick. RFK. <laughs> Junior. Oh, technically, my... It'll be there, too. But... Um, <laughs> uh, where are we going with this? Banking crisis. The way the U.S. I don't know. Where they're burning. They're this? burning the lifeboats as this banking crisis is unfolding. So, uh, First Republic Bank wasn't technically in receivership until last Friday. They announced that it was a prototypical 4:45 p.m. on a Friday announcement. Uh, First Republic Bank's in receivership. They're going to be sold over the weekend. Weekend came and went. J.P. Morgan uh, purchased First Republic Bank, so the FDIC. Um, took some of their toxic assets and then issued uh, JP, JP Morgan made out like bandits in this deal. They got all the deposits and always, they get, always, always do. They get something like a 20% guaranteed IRR over the next five years on one of the particular uh, parts of this deal that, that was brokered over the weekend. Um, well, this is what we were talking about four months ago or so four or five months ago when we went back to 2008, our good friend Jason Brett showed me uh, the clips from IndyMac when IndyMac failed mm -hmm. in 2008. Um, and IndyMac was, I believe, the last bank that got taken over by the FDIC. And what happened was the U.S. government took over the bank and no one trusts the U.S. government and the panic spread even farther. They ca they cannot the if the, if the U.S. government takes over a bank, everyone freaks the fuck out. So the strategy ever since then has been to essentially have the U.S. government taxpayer money backstop these bailouts where they where they orchestrate a sale to one of the larger banks because if J.P. Morgan buys you, you're like ah oh, you know I'm good. J.P. Morgan's fucking great. Like I trust them more than the government. I, you know, I, they can both go fuck themselves, but I'm saying that's what people think. And so that has been the structure. You, you basically just keep doing these orchestrated sales where you consolidate the banks further and further. Um, and that's been the playbook since 2008. Yeah. Um, and it's not good. And that's the other thing. Parker and I have been talking about this a lot in the commons, which this whole idea that, Oh, JP Morgan bought my bank that just went under, I feel safe now is completely idiotic because JP yeah. Morgan is just absor absorbing those bad liabilities at the end of the day. So you're well, just the government like covers some of those liabilities. Yes, right? but there's only like, that's part of the deal. Yeah. But there's only a certain amount of those liabilities that the government can take care of in aggregate. And as it seems to be coming obvious now, it seems like in a systemic banking crisis So pull up this chart. I mean, this chart's been going viral on Twitter all week and it's a uh, visualization to this is such a good chart. help depict the magnitude of the bank failures that we've seen this year. Started, 
yeah, compared to uh, 2008. So if you're not watching, uh, what we're looking at is a bubble chart um, that is trying to quantify the size of the bank failures going all the way back to 2000, I believe. Um, and obviously in 2008, when the great financial crisis happened, it was a big blow up, but it's a bunch of small bubbles and one big bubble being WAMU. And then you fast forward to 2023 and there's three large bubbles. Washington Mutual. Yeah. And so there's been three failures this year uh, with Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic. I don't even think First, yeah, First Republic is on this. What's the other signature? Yeah, they're, they're not including Silvergate on here. Yeah, because Silvergate technically shut its doors and didn't like fail. Silvergate technically voluntarily closed their doors and paid people back. Yeah. So nobody but lost their, their bubble deposits. should be there too. But th- their bubble would be a smaller bubble. Like, because yes. they were like, Eight billion they were like 15 like billion or something 15. like that. Yeah. Um, well, we know, remember, it, they, had, they had like, they had successfully given out like $8 billion worth of withdrawals before they fell. So maybe like they were like 12 billion or something. But, but in that range, while these guys are all, you know, 200, 100, First, First Republic was, was the largest of all of them, over 200 billion. Um, and then the most recent one, PacWest, is like 45 billion. Well, it looks like Western Alliance. And this is maybe the big one. May beat PacWest to uh, failure. Dude, all the little regional guys, they're all about to get fucked. Yeah. Like there's no reason for people to stay in them and all the banks are insolvent because of the duration mismatch because they are holding long-term government debt. Like, that fuck. Is, that is, they're all insolvent. There's no reason for anyone to stay in the... But the, the real question isn't these small regional banks. The crazy thing is going to be five through like 15. Like uh, starting with US Bank. Like there's a big drop-off after the first four, um, the big four, and then it goes to US Bank. And then there's a bunch of like $500 billion banks, like Truist is in there, US Bank is in there, uh, Capital One is in there, like though that TD Bank is in there, like that's where it gets really interesting. And I think they're all fucked too. I definitely but, think I've seen yeah. um, headlines about Capital One over the last couple of months of their insignificant trouble. But coming back to this chart and just commentating on the narrative that we've been fed for the last few years, which is we'll never have a 2008 like blow up or banking crisis again. It was very unique in terms of their exposure to mortgage backed securities. Um, it's, uh, it's not going to be like 2008 in the line that they put out there. Banks are better capitalized than ever due to Dodd-Frank and Basel three and those types of uh, reserve requirement. Uh, guardrails that have been put in since 2008. But as we can see from this chart, it makes it glaringly clear that, uh, as Matt just said, it seems like this banking crisis could be worse than 08. Um, and this is the problem with central planning, particularly with monetary policy and banking, is you have these unforeseen externalities, negative externalities, where you think you're really fixing a problem, but you're actually making it worse. And in this case, as Matt mentioned, it's a duration mis- mismatch uh, all the banks were forced to hold treasuries in their liquidity reserves. So they bought up all these longer dated treasuries. And as the Fed has raised rates rapidly, the value of those treasuries, uh, the price trades uh, in inverse correlation with the yields of those bonds. So the value of those bonds has gone down significantly over the last. They're uh, all insolvent. Yes. They're <laughs> technically like literally if they were forced to mark their bond portfolios to market, they would be considered insolvent. But they all got preemptively bailed out 
and First Republic still failed. Like they were, they were given loans from the U.S. government at the original value, at the par value, not at their lost value. It'd be like if the U.S. government came to me and I wanted to buy a house and they were like, Matt, we'll treat your Bitcoin like it's still $69,000. Like that is what they got. And First Republic still fucking failed. Yes. Like people forget that in 2008, Bear Stearns failed in the spring of 2008. It wasn't until the fall of 2008 where the general public started to realize how bad shit was behind the surface, underneath the surface. Before, like, there was just months of denial. And we're in that denial phase right now. Like, this well, is... That's what... This a is lot not of, doomer shit. This is, this is just... Think. Just think. We're observing. We're Look. literally being descriptive of what's going on right now. And that's another thing, too. That a lot of people are anchoring to the 2008 example of Bear Stearns fell uh, in the spring and then the shit hit the fan in the fall with Lehman and everything that happened then. But I, I think the timeline here may be accelerated as we're seeing with these big bank failures. The situation right now is such that nobody is incentivized to keep their money at these regional banks. They're probably flooding out either to the JP Morgans of the world, uh, money market funds or other uh, entities or that are not regional banks, Bitcoin. Um, and so I think this could happen much faster than people imagine. And, the people in power are scared shitless. So like last Friday, Jamie Dimon said the banking system strong and resilient over the weekend. Yellen said the banking system strong and resilient on Monday. Biden came out and said the banking system strong and resilient. Jerome Powell two hours before uh, PAC West fell by 60% after market said the banking system is strong and resilient. Like they're all trying to induce confidence in the markets, but anybody who knows anything about the incentives that are at play now with the Kakanani uh, policies that have been put forth. Like nobody's keeping their money at these regional banks. So I think the analogy to 2008, uh, I don't, I think it's going to be accelerated. I don't think we're going to have like a, I don't yeah, think this, it's going to be gonna bigger. Much too. Faster. It's going to be much bigger. Yeah. It's, it's a useful comparison. It's a useful frame and reference and perspective. I mean, in May, May, 2008, the former Janet Yellen, Treasury, Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson said, I do believe that the worst is likely to be behind us, right? So history rhymes. It's not going to be exactly the same. Um, but the incentives, the way the incentives are set up, like, of course, they're going to be posturing publicly that everything is fine because they're scared shitless. The whole thing is a confidence game. I mean, there's a reason why you're, you know, there's a reason why, and, and the difference this time, Marty, too, and we've talked about this for many different facets of our society nowadays, is they can't control the information because it's not just corporate media anymore. Like there's so many independent voices out there, whether it's social media, whether it's newsletters, blogs, videos, podcasts, there's so much independent voice out there that they can't control the fucking narrative. Like the in, in 2008, most people to this day do not realize how many little bubbles are on this fucking chart, how many banks failed in 2008. That was by design because it was in no one's best interest incentive-wise for corporate media to report on this shit because if faith in institutions are failing, it's bad for every institution regardless of your industry. It's not like like if, 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 if the banking system is failing, 
like, well, do I trust corporate media? Like, so all the institutions are all intertwined. They're all paying each other. They're all fucking in bed with each other. Like, it's I know it's a meme, but this time is different. I, 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 I agree. Um, and I don't think this is like a peak clown world call. I do think this time is different. I do think this is the end game. This, we're not calling peak. We're saying peak is coming. Yeah. <laughs> but no, cause you go back and I wrote about this in the newsletter last night like couple in what you just mentioned with social media and them not having control of the communications medium with the fact that yes, 2008, 2008, 2009, it was 15, 14 years ago. Now at this point seems like a long time ago, but those scars are still a bit raw. Like people like you and I were in our early thirties. We remember it quite vividly. And I do think there's many people like us out there, millennials, particularly maybe not Gen Z to, the same extent, but a lot of us, even Logan remembers that Logan, do you remember it? He's, he's nodding his head. Yes. But that's another thing. Like people are going to see what's going on now. They're like, Oh shit, the banks are failing again. Like we just did something extraordinary over the last 15 years after 2008 printed all this money, did all this QE injected trillions into the banking system and it didn't work. Why would the same thing work? this time around. So I think there is that social aspect to it. And then you couple that with, which is the next topic, we'll, which we'll talk about is like the, how much debt has been accumulated over that 15 years. And the fact that it's getting harder and harder to pay, if not it's probably mathematically impossible to pay off, that's really becoming internalized with individuals across the country. And uh, like we're, less than 30 days away from hitting the debt ceiling. We're going to have to raise that ceiling again. Uh, there's questions. Well, they're going to raise it. They always raise it. Yeah. There's questions. There's people think. Well, the, I mean, they should mint the coin. They should just mint the fucking coin. So um, two different banking crises separate I, from this debt yeah. crisis. And we need to break Wait, each down separately. Move, before we move from the banking crisis, I just want to say everyone knows that Jim Cramer's predictions are basically the same as my mempool predictions. And that there's an inverse Kramer, whatever he says, usually the opposite happens. And he said, he specifically said last month, he said, or two months ago, he said, JP Morgan is a fortress. And I just wanted to immortalize on the podcast, my Twitter response to him, which was JP is a blanket fort and Bitcoin is a fortress. (laughs) The blanket fort, um, bank crisis still going on, uh, right now. PacWest and Western Alliance seem to be on the ropes. Uh, Financial Times wrote an article about Western Alliance saying they were shopping around for buyers. Western Alliance came out earlier today and completely denied that and said they're going to pursue legal actions against the Financial Times. Um, They have to deny it. Yeah. And so they're both down like 80% this week. It seems like those are the next two to fall. Uh, There will be... That size is all fucked, Marty. They're all fucked. And to put this in the context, like we had that bubble chart up, but this year alone, WAM is the biggest bank failure in U.S. history. If PacWest goes under, that will mean in the last two months alone, we had four of the top five bank failures, two, three, four, five in uh, Silicon yeah. Valley Bank, First Republic, Signature, and That PacWest. whole chart's going to be rewritten. Yeah. PacWest is going to be so far from five by the time this is all settles. Yeah. Um, I'll make, I'll make that bet with you. PacWest won't even be top 10. I, I, I agree with you. So I'm not going to take the other side of that bet, Okay. but damn it. Yeah. The banking crisis, uh, is happening. 
be aware. Again, we're not trying to be doomers. We're trying to be descriptive of what's playing out in the mainstream media and the politicians and uh, the Federal Reserve is trying to make you think everything is rosy and resilient and strong. Uh, as Giorgio said uh, in the comments, strong and resilient is the new safe and effective. So uh, keep that in mind moving forward. Uh, be aware, not trying to scare anybody. We want you to be uh, up to speed with what's going on from our view. Be scared, be frightened. No, don't say that. Don't say that. I, I'm, you should be. You should be a little bit scared. No, don't be scared. We're gonna get through this, Rick. We're gonna win. Responsibly scared. We're gonna win. You should be like. Okay, well, I prepare for the worst. Hope for the best. Stay humble, stack size. Okay, that's all but you have to say. A little bit of fear. A little bit of fear is healthy. Not too much fear, though. Like a lot of fear in twenty twenty is what not healthy. Next. No. We're 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 speculating. And the guys that are lying to you on fucking corporate media, they have no fucking idea. Like literally nobody has any idea how this plays out. So there should be a little bit of fear. It's like you're, you're, you're doing a bungee jump off of a bridge, but you don't know how old the rope is. You don't know who tied it. You don't know what the connections are to the bridge. Like all that shit's going on. There should be a little bit of healthy dose of fear there. Yeah. I mean, I was up late last night. And I'm not fearful. I'm just worried for my family. So I had to text my sister-in-law and say, yeah, I'm like, semantics. I was, uh, sister-in-law. Marty's not fearful. He's just worried. My in-laws, <laughs> my wife's parents are not in Bitcoin yet. And I had to text my sister-in-law and be like, Hey, you got to tell your parents to get in. They're not going to listen to me. Like I had one of those moments last night where I was like, Oh shit, I need to convince my family to ape in. And if any other of my family members are listening to ape in, um, irresponsibly go irresponsibly long marty's telling you be be scared no responsibly long irresponsibly long join me no i'm kidding um all right that's a banking crisis it's happening be aware be aware freaks i'm sure you are aware um but you're not going to hear this from the traditional mainstream media where the politicians or bankers out there uh separate problem debt problem debt ceiling going to hit it within 30 days uh that timeline got moved up because the tax receipts that the treasury has received for 2022 tax season has come in, I believe 32 or 33% below what they were estimating in the beginning of the year. So tax revenues for the government have fallen, which means that they have less time uh, to pay back the debt. They're going to hit the debt ceiling quicker. Um, and so that's where mint the coin comes in. Uh, a lot of people are putting the coin conversation the coin. back out there. This is our moment. Let's mint the coin. Mint the coin. I, I, and I had a thread about this in January. That was the last time mint the coin uh, <laughs> was in the news. But I really do hope they mint the coin um, because it will go down in history as one of the dumbest things in. Oh, yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible for anyone who's holding dollars. Well, it's not even that. It's just like it's a horrible for anybody who likes to consider themselves a logical thinking human with with sense and wherewithal. Like, so the idea behind mint the coin, there's some statute within the constitution or somewhere in us law where they do have the ability. The treasury is allowed to do it. Yeah. The treasury has the ability to point yeah. at a platinum coin and give it, give it a value of the, the treasury has the right to mint currency. Yes. So they can mint a coin and call it a trillion dollar coin. They could call it a $32 trillion coin if they want. And we'd have no debt. Yes. Like that's our privilege as Americans that all of our debt is denominated in our own shit coin. So they could literally just 
flip a switch and cause hyperinflation and mint a coin and not have to deal with any of this. All of our debts would be wiped out. I said we go for it. Uh, we were talking about this all the way back in college. Like this has been going on for years, the mint the coin idea. Um, and obviously like it, it ignites my accelerationist side, but uh, I'm, I'm pro mint the coin. I'm pro mint the coin because I'm all in Bitcoin. If I wasn't in Bitcoin, I wouldn't be pro mint the coin. I'd be like, why are you fucking me over completely? But you, if you're listening to this, have the option to switch to Bitcoin. And if you switch to Bitcoin, and they mint the coin, you're good. So they should just mint the coin, stack some sats with it, call it a day. I agree. Logan, pull up the tweet. I just want it. I just want to know on the record that I am pro mint the coin too, back in January. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, uh, it would be the most poetic. I like how to we the... can see Logan's, we can see Logan's uh, icon here too. It would honestly, I hope they mint the, the coin because it would be a nice, bow tie on the end of the fiat era. It would be the most poetic ending. Like it got so great. insane that we pointed at a coin and said it's worth $32 trillion, trillion likely going to be a trillion dollars if they do it. But and, and they said it was worth, worth something. There was a good, uh, I'm Marty, I agree. You're pro mint the coin as well. I'm glad we got that solidified. Um, uh, I, I think I was pro mint the coin, before. I, this is not a contest, but I think I was pro mint the coin before Bitcoin I ever fucking even found Bitcoin just because it's so fucking ridiculous that it just exposes. It's just like a behind the curtains thing, you know? And one of the interesting things is uh, one interesting thought process I saw on Twitter, which just really, it ignites how stupid the whole fucking fiat system is, is that if someone stole the trillion dollar coin, they could not sell it for a trillion dollars. It would be worthless. (laughs) Be worth it's the only platinum. worth something if the treasury keeps it. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like it'd be like two hundred dollars or something, four hundred dollars worth of fucking metal. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Um, but mint the coin. Mint the coins back on the table. Burn, burn, burn the Bitcoin. Mint, mint, mint the trillion dollar coin. Well, mint the coins probably on the table for two reasons. Obviously, number one, the debt ceiling. They want to increase that. So minting the coin will allow them to do that by a trillion dollars. And then another thing uh, got somewhat lost in the bank scares yesterday with PacWest and Western Alliance was that the treasury came out and announced they're going to do their first treasury buyback, uh, buyback offering starting next year. And so this is a signal. Uh, so next year, there's a big block of US treasuries that are set to roll over and with interest rates where they are, uh, it makes treasuries less appealing. And so the the question in the treasury's mind is like, all right, how do we deal with this? So they're bringing back a buyback program. They haven't done it since 2000 around Y2K when people were freaking out about that um, and the dot-com blow up. And so the treasury <laughs> recognizes that there's not going to be a lot of demand for treasuries when they all roll over next year. And so they literally have to Japanify themselves and be the buyer to step into that market, which is not good. And obviously a trend we've been talking about for, many months, even years uh, on this show is that foreign countries have stopped purchasing treasuries and have even started to sell them off. And so the demand for the U.S. debt is waning significantly. um, And this buyback program is uh, evidence of that. It's not a good sign when the treasury is, all right, we're going to, when these roll over next year, we'll step in and buy a bunch of them from you if you don't want them. There's another sign that we're in the end game. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't fucking lend them money. 
Neither would I. I don't like giving them money for taxes. They just blow it. It's not fun. Fucking scam. Really is. Um, what else do we have with that as well? Yeah, I mean, another thing we haven't even mentioned it yet. I think <laughs> Jerome Powell yesterday, when he was saying the banks are strong and resilient, he raised hikes 25 bips again. So <laughs> it was like literally. That's 0.25%. Yeah. So now the targets, I think the f- target's 5.25 to 5. No, it's 5 to 5.25 uh, percent is the target. No. What did you see? What Biden, so, I mean, Elon can go fuck himself. The blue <laughs> check thing bothers me. Um, I think it's broken in senses. I, I think people should be able to pay for Twitter. But they, they, you, you shouldn't have this dark incentive where you have to pay with credit card and you have to link your phone number and they're blocking burner phone numbers. And basically, like you exchange privacy for reach uh, because it's really it's true out there. I know Marty doesn't understand it because he lives in his blue check circles. Um, but us non blue checks like we have significantly worse Twitter experience as a result of not wanting to give up our privacy when 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 we use Twitter. And I, Obviously, my privacy is fucking gone because uh, you see my face, but it's a principal thing. But anyway, so Elon can go fuck himself for that. And I'm going to have to do that preface every time I give him any kind of credit. But the whole community notes thing where like Biden was yeah. like, uh, US we has never always paid its bills. The fact checks are done by like groups or people that like the president got fact checked on us always paying our bills. That was great. Not only that, for that that particular tweet, um, they cited a Mises article too, um, going into the history of us defaulting on its debt. I think the U S is defaulted. I think the U S has defaulted three times or something like that. Um, I don't know. You could check the fact check. It was good. Let's pull this up. From the Mises Institute, um, the Biden administration keeps lying about U.S. government defaults. The fact check was just fucking fantastic to see. You can see the fact check lower on this article. Um, this is a lie, whether Yellen says it or Biden says it. Here at Mises.org, we published several <laughs> articles on this topic. Here are two of them, a short history of U.S. credit defaults. Yes, the U.S. government has defaulted before. I believe it's three times the U S government in the early years of the new federal government. And then again, during the U S civil war, when the government refused to make good on its promise to repay notes further defaults followed with the largest being in 1934 with the default on Liberty bonds. U S has explicitly promised to pay back its debts in gold. It refused to do so. So yeah, now four, four or five times. Yeah. Nixon ripping us off the gold standard was a form of a default, if you will. Yeah. And then like ever since then, like we pay our debts in our own shit coin that we just keep inflating. So like that's a soft default. Yeah. And fault via debasement. It's frothy out there, freaks. Like we said earlier, the people in charge are freaking out. If you look at their body language, if you look at what they're saying, how much effort they're putting out there to try to imbue a sense of confidence in the markets, it's uh, they're, they're trying very hard and it doesn't seem to be working very well. And we had another rate hike this year. So it's only going to exacerbate the problem in the banking system where the value of people's assets is going to go down, especially if they're holding treasuries. So if anything, Powell just accelerated this banking crisis. 
uh, with that rate hike. And that's the other thing too. Like he's been doing it this whole fucking time. A quarter percent of a rate hike. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it has compounding effects. It, it makes a material impact when you have hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars of these assets. 25 bips is a lot to eat into that. What do we got next on the list? Mint the coin. We're only three or we're four. We're four bullets in. We've got. Well, I put a lot of self. I put a lot of self for updates. You can just. We'll blow through those. It's been. Uh, and we. I have First Republic Bank fails. We already did that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think this one was important to highlight because props no props one should use due. Venmo. Props where props are due. Yeah, but I was wrong here. I said Venmo was never going to allow self custody withdrawals and payments outside of their platform with Bitcoin. And they're, they're doing it. Um, I think a lot of credit actually has to be given to Cash App and the team at Block for basically forcing everyone's hand because uh, Robinhood's doing the same thing. I also didn't think Robinhood was ever going to do it, but it's a, competitive, it's a competitive advantage otherwise. Like if they don't offer it, they get left behind and users will switch platforms. Um, so as a result... Uh, Venmo is doing it. They deserve some props for it. I, I mean, obviously it's completely ridiculous if, if, if you're not able to withdraw, but I expected them to be completely ridiculous and, and they have proved me wrong. And I will say one cool thing, obviously KYC regulated custodial, all your funds could get taken at will. Um, no privacy. One cool thing is as all these platforms do this for the first time ever, you can actually easily transfer between the different platforms. So a Venmo user was never able to send to a Cash App user because um, they were on two different networks. But now that they both accept, they both support Bitcoin withdrawals and deposits, um, they're able to piggyback off that interoperable network of Bitcoin. They don't have to have any legal agreements. They don't have to sign any contracts, but a user on Venmo will be able to send to a user on Cash App, will be able to send to a user on Robinhood. Um, pretty cool. Can you send over Lightning? No, definitely not. But <laughs> not yet. But I will say that yeah, Cash App is is um, pushing them on that as well, right? Because Cash App offers Lightning, and I expect like Venmo and Robinhood and these other you know really inept players in the market like Coinbase, like they're not going to in implement uh, Lightning themselves. They're probably going to have a company that comes in like a Strike or a LightSpark um, that provides that service for them. Oh, and by the way, while I bring up LightSpark, I fucked up. It's not a custodial service. It's Ooh. like Ooh. minimum viable self-custody. Technically, it's self-custody self and and uh, I was wrong about that. Um, hey. It still requires trust. The trust is minimized to the point where like maybe regulators will turn a blind eye and they can say it's not custodial. Um, but it's, it's not custodial. It's quote unquote, not custodial. There you have it. Freaks a correction on RHR. We will aim to correct whenever we are wrong. Matt was wrong about mempools. Yeah. Played. I meant to do that last week. It's been two weeks, but yeah. you're going to, have to make a correction about mempools at some point between now and Christmas Eve. So, I'm that. sure we're going to talk about it many times. Yeah. They'll probably Next. clear on Thanksgiving day. <laughs> that would be great. Next on the list, uh, Balaji 
Srinivasan obviously had the big million dollar bet a couple months ago. Million Bitcoin will run to a million dollars in three months. Uh, the price is nowhere near a million dollars right now, currently trading at uh, 28,000 some odd dollars. Like 30 days ago. Yeah. He said 90 days and it was like 30 days ago. He capitulated. He just said, hey, I recognize it's probably not going to hit a million. I'm going to pay up. And he actually paid up more than a million. He did 500 or 1.5 million dollars in donations. He negotiated, no, he negotiated a reduced payout to the guy he bet. So he only paid the guy he bet 500K to settle it and capitulate now. And then he gave an additional million dollars in donations. Half of that is to Bitcoin developers. And then half of that is to give Bitcoin, which is like going to like poverty and stuff, but it's still a donation. Yeah. And in Balaji's defense, I think we said this around the bet. I don't think anybody, I, don't, I think if you were able to read through what he was saying, I don't think he earnestly thought Bitcoin was going to hit a million dollars. He just wanted to get the signal out there that you should be getting away from the banking system into Bitcoin. And that video that Logan just sped by, we're not going to watch it because it's like six minutes long. But he said he burned a million to tell you that they're, they're printing, trillions. printing trillions. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will say that for this prophecy to come true, we needed Balaji to capitulate. So 60 days, sad sent parody in 60 days, still 50 on days. the table. 50 days. Now it's more, now it's more <laughs> on the table than ever because it capitulated. This is what the universe needed for the prophecy to come true. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I highly recommend you freaks go check out <laughs> that video. Cause it, I mean, it is, I mean, you could look at it as a $1.5 million marketing campaign for Bitcoin. Definitely got the conversation going all throughout the internet. I think it was a good bang for your buck spend, if you ask me. Uh, and I, as we would argue, or agree, I would imagine, it's an important message to get out there because the banks are failing. And as we discussed for the first hour of the show, they're failing quickly. I don't think many people realize it. We're not trying to be doomers. Again, we're trying to be descriptive of what's going on. I don't think people understand. Most people, you freaks if you're here, do understand. But the gravity of the situation is much larger than the mainstream would want you to believe or that... Uh, the overwhelming populace actually is grasping right now. No, yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious from very early on. I mean, Balaji's not an idiot either. Like, he didn't actually believe that, you know, 90 days uh, Bitcoin was going to hit a million dollars. Um, and he was also trapped in the bet, which is what happens to me a lot, right? Yes. Which he was like... He was grandstanding. He was like all caps. And someone was like, oh, well, if you're serious, like bet me a million dollars. And he was like, done. You know, and then he got trapped. Like, that's what happens to me all the time um, with my bets, uh, including the mempool bets over and over again. But they're at much lower levels. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's up only after Balaji cap capitulation, right? Like, this is, uh, he capitulated early. Like, you gotta, you gotta, I was the day before conference day. I said 200k is still in play. Like you gotta you just keep, you gotta go with it. You know, there's you don't capitulate. You don't capitulate 40 days into your 90 day bet. That's just me. Tweets their own. You know, tweets their own. So uh, bet has been paid out. What if it does hit a million? Does that guy have to give him up 500 grand back? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's like the best timeline now. Now it's actually in play. It was never in play before. Now it's in play because the universe likes shit like this. 
Let's fucking go. What would you do if Bitcoin hit a million dollars in 50 days? No more RHR. We'd have one last RHR. Then I'm just going to raise goats. Just goats? I mean, goats and other things. It's like Noster, goats and other stuff. (laughs) But like, I have my eyes on goats. Could you imagine this show post-million dollar Bitcoin though? We could do out the production. It would be awesome. Yeah, I would still I would still do it. It would just be like Matt live from the pasture with the goats. <laughs> there'd be like multiple cameramen, you know, like there'd be goats and shit. I don't know. I don't know if I'd agree to yeah, that. Yeah, goats and other stuff. <laughs> goats and other stuff. Um all right. Plaj, you paid out his bet. I'm trying to think of what else. Bitcoin related before we get into software updates. Um, I'm fine with like a humble 250K, something like that. Like he capitulated while we were flat, you know? He didn't even like wait for like any kind of run up. Like only what? Three banks failed. Like he didn't even wait for like seven to eight banks to fail. It's just disappointing capitulation. Well, I think the price could run up rather quickly. Um, gold has been yeah, especially now that it capitulated. Gold's been a leading indicator for like the last year. That broke all time highs temporarily yesterday. I'm not sure what it was doing today. Um, if we hit the de- if we hit the debt ceiling in 30 days and they don't figure it out, the likelihood is they do. They typically gold is a shit coin. Capitulate, I know, but regardless, it has been a leading indicator. Um, if, if we don't solve the debt ceiling thing and actually like, the government's forced to shut down banking crisis is still going on. Could you imagine well, that they shit just, If they mint the coin, what if what if they mint the coin? Yeah, so it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like Bitcoin's going to pump no matter what. They shut it down, uh, how many years ago was it when they shut it down for like a week? I think they shut it down. Wait, for isn't a- that when Bill Clinton got head from Monica Lewinsky was when they shut down the government no, over the no. debt ceiling? No, it happened in Obama's administration, I'm pretty sure. Somebody fact check us. What, how you, wasn't that the debt ceiling too when he did not have sexual relations with that woman? When has the U.S. hit that? I think, it, I think we were like shut down for a week and it was interns only and Monica was an intern. January. I think it's happened. Oh, God, I'm going to a New York Times article. When was the debt limit reached? <laughs> you can always count on Bake to give us non-factual information in the comments. What do you say? <laughs> they shut down the government because all the congressmen wanted head from Monica, too. Bake, <laughs> you're disgusting. Bake is a doctor. You have to trust his, what he says. Uh, 1990. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was that was Clinton. No, that was Bush 1, shut down for three days. Clinton had shut down twice yeah. in 95 and later go. in 96. It shut down for there five days in 95 and then 21 days in the 96. Right. And then Obama, it shut down for 16 days in 2013. So it's happened four times in the last 33 years. But they haven't mint the coin yet. They should mint the coin. 
You got to try everything, right? I mean, the Dunk QE, the Untwist, the interest rate policy. I think it's only fitting that you got to go into the next. That is literally the last tool in their belt is minting the coin. Is that a sexual innuendo? No. Where's your mind? You got to come on. Stop watching porn freaks. It takes your mind to these weird places. Okay. <laughs> oh, what an accusation. Okay. There's only one host. There's only one host on this show that admitted he had a porn problem and it wasn't me. It was years ago. <laughs> it's an everyday battle, Matt. Thank you for, for reinforcing my will to go on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with Tom Barry. Bill Clinton took my mind there. Did Bill smoke the cigar after where he put it? Would not be shocked. These people are sick. These people are sick. They do demented things. Speaking of demented things, I recorded with Whitney Webb earlier today. That episode drops tomorrow, and we dive all into the weird things these people are done. And when you talk about the banking crisis, too, really dove into her dissection of Jamie Dimon and the series she's been writing on him, and it really brought to light some interesting chain of events. Jamie was with City before they combined with Travel Travel's group. And if you freaks remember, <clears throat> um, City and Travel group, uh, they wanted to merge, but the Glass-Steagall Act did not allow them because Glass-Steagall Act put a wall between commercial banks and insurance companies. And then the Clinton administration, Larry Summers, passed the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, which tore down that wall, let City group and Travelers uh, group, or City and Travelers group, formed to create Citigroup, uh, and that incited the mortgage-backed security crisis, uh, the build-up to the crisis that eventually uh, hit the fan in 2008. Um, interestingly enough, Jamie got kicked out of there and was basically set on a path to go to J.P. Morgan, to take over J.P. Morgan, and Jeffrey Epstein was actually responsible for the Lehman Brothers crash, which J.P. Morgan wound up acquiring. So, interesting theory discussed with uh, Whitney today, which is that there's been a long con going on to consolidate the banking system up into banks like JP Morgan. So check it out. I mean, the banks have definitely been consolidating. Yeah. There's inarguable for years, for decades. There's actually a chart. Let me pull it up. Somebody responded to me with the chart. Um, I think he was disputing my overall comment, but the chart's good. So we'll pull it up. And I'm, I'm not afraid of a little that's, confrontation. That City uh, Travelers merger is when City got the new logo. Yeah. I like, I went down that rabbit hole, like the City logo rabbit hole. It was a I've never fallen down that. Hole, but What's that rabbit hole? I've never cool, fallen down cool the logo. logo. I've never fallen down it. The, the red thing on the top is the Travelers umbrella, you know, like Travelers um, Insurance had the umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. I can't find this chart. I'm sorry, freaks. Um, all the freaks know that all the banks have been consolidating for years. There's they this chart is chart. pretty. It's pretty damning though. Let's see if I can find this. Give me five more seconds. Yeah, I mean Carlos makes a good point. Ride or die, free Carlos, who's still with us, even though he said his schedule wasn't great for our afternoon reps. Um, it's all the major industries. Like he said, telecoms are consolidating too. Usually where, where regulation is heavy, you see the most consolidation. Um, we see, uh, we see it in airlines. 
you, you see major consolidation wherever there's this large burdensome regulation. I mean, on the Bitcoin microcosm, you see it in the exchanges mm-hmm. um, because they're so heavily regulated and they have their regulatory moats and requires millions of dollars to launch a competitor. This is just going to annoy me, so I got to find this goddamn chart. Yeah, yeah it only goes back okay, to. Okay, should I just go to the next topic while you keep looking? I found it. I found the, the HR. logic capitulates. Oh, LND. Guys, LND v0.16.2 is out. They also released 0.16.1. This is an important update. I've been told this is an important update. You need to update your notes. I haven't been told why it's important. Oh, I will say, especially if you updated to 0.16.1, that could be really bad. So definitely upgrade. But it's a supposedly an important update. And it's above my pay grade and no one trusted me with the information of why it was important. But go if upgrade. you're running an L&D node, go update your L&D nodes. Yeah, just quickly chart on the screen is number of commercial banks in the U.S. since 1950 going to 2018. Um, so you can take three off of that chart, go a bit lower, but yeah, consolidation <laughs> has been, been happening pretty, uh, pretty consistently over the last 40 years, at least, um, back to the so LD update. Like 13,400 It's most people are on audio. It's 13,400 down to what was it? 4,500. Uh, yeah. 4,500. So cutting a third, 33% of the banks that existed, uh, in the eighties which happened after the 70s. It was after we went off the gold standard. Very interesting thing. Back to L&D, version 0.16.2 beta. This is a primarily a hot fix release to fix some performance regressions. No, it's Intr- not, though. Okay. The important part isn't in the release. Okay, so we will get a disclosure six months from now, and we'll find out about it then. Just update. I, I know that's not great. Or just close your channels and put it in cold storage. <laughs> We'll get, I'm we'll not get like telling you to blindly update. The update could be the attack. If we get rugged, we get rugged together. Um, okay. Update on day. <laughs> uh, before we got into um, software updates, I did want to read, but this is a very important one, so it's nice to isolate. Uh, let's read the top four boostograms from last week. Sorry, yep. DJ Seafair. I don't know why to update. I just know it's important. I've been told it's important. Multiple people have told me it's important. I'm going to go find out in the comments after this. Rabbit hole recap, 250. Almost at 1,000, quarter of the way there. Bank runs continue. Could have named it that this week as well, but uh, we decided to go optimistic. Next week. Next week, we'll name it that. At Bitcoin Focus with a Q, F O Q U S, 111,000, 111 sats. Ones across the board, palindrome boost. Modesto, California, and Central Valley Bitcoiners. We've started a new Bitcoin meetup, and our next meetup is Sunday, May 28th at 4 p.m. at Commonwealth in Modesto. Source Seagulls can check the meetup app to verify time and date and chat with organizers. See, this is a good meetup boost right here you give them three weeks at least more than three weeks almost four weeks 
May 28th, Modesto, California at the Commonwealth, a Commonwealth, I'm assuming that's uh, an establishment in Modesto at Bitcoin Focus. Thank you for starting the meetup and for the boost. Appreciate your your contribution to the show. At Auburn underscore Citadel, 100,000 sats. I don't know. Just stay humble and stack sats. Thank you, Auburn Citadel. Great advice. Eric and I, nine, coming in hot this week after getting called out for dropping out of the top four last week. Uh, stay humble, stack sats. At Totanka1971, let's see you boost one sat over this one. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, at Totanka1971. Did not do that. Great advice. Uh, <clears throat> last but not least, fourth largest boost from RIP250. At Mav21, 45,000 sats. Bitcoin Magazine can GFY. Go fuck yourself. That was nice. It is a boost. I had to read Appreciate it. Appreciate the support, Freak. Yeah. Um, we're going to be there. I'm excited. Rabbit hole recap, open source <laughs> stage. Witty Webb's going to be there. RFK is going to be there. When it goes out the first day. Yeah, look, I will say, like, I obviously have publicly disagreed strongly on their stance for a lot of things. So. We're talking about what are, they pissed, um, what are people pissed off with Bitcoin Magazine for right now? Ordinals? Uh, NFTs. Yeah, I mean, it? mostly ordinals. You gotta, you just have to accept them for. There's been a lot of, there's been historically a lot of questionable decisions of people that have gone on stage. Um, but we won't. But yeah. I know you've been working hard. You come a long way from having Mashinsky on stage in 2019. <sighs> that pissed me off so much. Oh. We get a hottest episodes this week from Fountain Tweet 21 seconds ago. Thank you, freaks. Uh, the top four boosts and every boost to come after that made rabbit hole recap. Number 250 bank runs continue. Uh, the number one show on Fountain last week. So thank you, freaks. Appreciate that. Wait, did that, I, I definitely appreciate the freaks boosting us and supporting us through podcasting 2.0. It really it is special when when we see the charts. Yeah. It gets keeps me coming week in and week out. It keeps me out of the goat pasture. Is that a dick joke? No, I, we were literally it talking about keeps me coming week in, in and week out. Coming back, you got to like add some context to that. Get your mind out of the gutter, Marty. <laughs> You're, Bill Clinton took me there. Okay, it's all Bill's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was that? Was that a new? That was a new boost that came in. No, that was the uh, fountain just tweeted. Um, yeah. And now you have freaks going to Twitter to tell, saying that we're telling people to urgently upgrade to LND version 0.16.2. Yeah, maybe I'm, I don't know. Consider it. Consider it. You should operate on lightning. When, if you're running, if you're, be aware, freaks. If you're running lightning, you should just assume that all your funds could just be rugged at any moment. Yes. Hasn't happened yet. Speaking of Lightning, Lightning Terminal version 0.9.2 Alpha has been released. Uh, I don't know if you have this on the list too, but it seems like they have an implementation with Voltage too. Lightning Terminal has been officially incorporated into Voltage's product suite. So if you're using Voltage, you get access to the terminal, which includes um, their channel liquidity management, their swap product. I'm blanking on the names. Lightning Pool. 
um, and a couple other products. Uh, version, I'm not reading show notes because if I start with this one, I'll, we'll be here for two hours. Uh, Blixed Wallet version 0.6.7 has been released. And let's give me a round of applause because that's the first time I pronounced it the first time. First try on the show. Sphinx Relay version 2.3.1 has been released. Uh, Parmanode version 2.3.4 has been released. Uh, Albi launches Noster Wallet Connect. Let's read. In short, Nostra Wallet Connect allows users to import their existing Bitcoin Lightning wallets into apps. Developers can offer one click or even automated Bitcoin payments with just a few lines of code. So this is different than putting your Ellen address in your Nostra profile it's for different types of clients, I assume. Um. Yeah, this is uh, this just makes it really easy for instead of every Nostra client to have uh, a built-in wallet, they can just use this standard, and uh, they don't have to actually build their own Bitcoin wallet into the client. Hell yeah! Shout out to Albi, Fenny version zero point one point eight Cashew Wallet and Mint implementation in GoLang has been released. Agora Desk app version one point one point one has been released. My node version 0.3.16 has been released. Zeus version 0.7.5 has been released. Nothing too crazy there. Just checking the Zeus updates because I'm a Zeus user. I want to see what they updated. Uh, Nyuta wallet version 0.1.7 has been released. What is Nyuta wallet? It's a lightning wallet on mobile. Oh, yeah. I think it's Android only right now. Support for invoices that don't show amounts. Stack Duo version 1.0.5 has been released. BISC version 1.9.10 has been released. Um, Munster. This is really cool. Musig plus Noster. Uh, cool app. This is awesome. That allows you to do multi-sig coordination over Noster. Um, really fucking cool. Yeah. And because it uses taproot and music, it just looks like a regular single SIG, uh, single SIG transaction. Yeah. This is like really interesting, um, development over Nostra because obviously you have apps like caravan that unchained their open source tool to coordinate multi-sig, um, you have, but you still with like that, you have to like send text messages between each other, whether that's through signal yeah. or matrix or whatever, you have to like send these PSPTs back and forth. Um, so Nostra as an interoperable communication protocol adds all this new capabilities. Like I, I, I stand by my statement that like, I don't think we can really comprehend all the different cool things that can be built um, with Nostra and, and even, even larger than just Bitcoin, but, even if you just isolate it to just the Bitcoin space, like the different things that Bitcoin tools can do using Nostra as a communication protocol, it's really fucking cool. It really is. We need it. We really need to get to Parker on this. He's such a monster, monster, uh, Nostra curmudgeon. We don't have to convince Parker. We're going to be, thanks to Jack Dorsey, we're going to be funding at least $5 million to Nostra projects. He'll come around eventually. He was not happy when he found You can tell you can tell Parker that he'll come around to Noster gradually, then suddenly. 
I agree. I agree. I've been trying my best here. It's no avail. Uh, shout out to the monster team, Stacy, uh, Roger. This is really cool. I want to get them, uh, Ron, not Roger, uh, Armin and Sebastian. This is the type of combining open source protocols that you like to see. Uh, this is really unique and creative and I think is an added benefit piggybacking on Ben Carmen's uh, transaction broadcasting over Noster that we talked about last week. It's like these types of applications are really cool to see bubbling up from the Noster and Bitcoin ecosystem. Moving on, Electrum version 4.4.1 has been released. Galois version 0.6.48 has been released. And then uh, this is something I love to see, as you freaks know. I've been a big pay join advocate for years and wondering why we aren't making every spend a coin join. Obviously, the need for a hot wallet makes it harder, blah, blah, blah. We talked about this ad nauseum in the past. But Dan Gould uh, is tracking the growth in pay join adoption and if things play out like they have in the past with this type of tracking, it does create pressure for a lot of wallets to implement this. It happened with PSBT. Uh, keeping a tracker like this, I think, lit a fire under the ass of different wallets to get onto that standard. And so Dan is doing that with PayJoin compatibility right now, and hopefully it incites a sense of urgency to implement PayJoins throughout the wallet softwares as it stands right now. For sending, the only wallets that allow that are Blue Wallet, um, Bitmask, PTC Pay Server, Join Market, Sparrow, and Wasabi. And for receiving, there's even less. It's only PTC Pay Server, Join and Join Market, um, and a few others evaluating. Um, so, Bitcoin Core has an extension, Bitcoin Nonce has an extension, uh, and LND has an extension for PayJoin. <laughs> I put I like the this. chart in the list because it's important. The research is interesting, um, but pay join for payments isn't going to happen. It's going to happen for like lightning channels, opens and closes, stuff like that. The incentives just don't line up. I would take the other side. Of it. I will say there A has been significant pay join adoption between like peer-to-peer payments or whatever, but like it's not going to happen on the merchant side stuff. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Shout out to Stonewall. Is it Stonewall or Cahoots that lets you do that? It's Cahoots. Uh, Stonewall is, is Stowaway. Stowaway is their Stowaway. Patreon implementation. Stowaway. Stonewall is their two-person, Stonewall 2X is their two-person coin join. Stonewall is their fake two-person coin join and Stowaway is the pay join. Pay join. But like that makes more sense because it's like I'm paying you or Finch is paying me or I'm paying Finch and we both want better privacy. So we like go through the trouble of doing pay join. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said in the past, like if it's a merchant and I care about sending privacy, if they're going to run a hot wallet, they're probably going to accept lightning. I'll just pay them in lightning. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Shout out to everybody working on PayJoin. And shout out to you, Dan, for putting this tracking list together. Hopefully it incites people to to do stuff. Last but not least on the list, Ellen Mesh, who said you'd need internet to send Bitcoin offline lightning network payments using community wireless mesh networks uh, from Ahmet Kurt, Abdullahi, Sahin, Ricardo, Har- Harlal Parchment, and Kamal Akaya. 
This is a research paper. Nothing's been implemented, but I do think it's really cool. LM Mesh, we've talked a lot about mesh networks in the past. This seems like a proposal to implement one and what it would enable specific to the Lightning Network. It would enable people to leverage a relay of Bluetooth-enabled nodes to set up channels with each other and transact uh, over Bluetooth offline uh, in places where the internet just isn't reliable or if the internet ever goes down somewhere for some reason the government just says hey they're talking too much shut off the internet uh, it's good to have this type of uh, transaction relay over the lightning network fallback option so it's great to see research like this anything to add here i agree yeah uh it's, a cool, it's a cool project i want to see more mesh projects and stuff like that alternative yeah. communication and stuff is important we're yeah, we're more vulnerable on that side than people give credit. Yeah, and um, I po- I wrote about this in the newsletter a couple of days ago, posted on Noster, and somebody responded. Uh, I wrote about this and Ben Carmen's transaction broadcast, and the question came you up. You talked like, about that last week. I know, but the, I wrote about it two days ago, and this discussion ensued, particularly with Ben's transaction broadcast over Noster. It's like, we have Tor. Why does it matter? Tor is superior to what Ben built. He would admit that. He admitted to me earlier this week. But it is not a bad thing to have these fallback options, redundancy, in terms of being able to broadcast Yeah, you things. want as many options as possible. Yeah. So similarly with LMS. Tor fucking has so many issues. Yeah, Tor has proven to be pretty unreliable. Um, so it's good to have other options. Um, and similarly with transaction relays, different than broadcast, um, it's good to have alternative networks outside the internet. So Bluetooth mesh networks to relay transactions. I need to, um, dive in down that rabbit hole. Um, like radio, ham radio communications. I haven't gone further enough down that rabbit hole. And that's, uh, that's on my list. If we, if we hit, if we hit million dollar Bitcoin in 90 days, maybe I'll go down that rabbit hole quicker. Yes. Along uh, with the goats, it'll be like goats and radio communication and stuff like that. Yeah. I just want to shout out to Carlos for recognizing that I, I nailed all those names in that research paper. Uh, and also, uh, Carlos has no fucking idea. <laughs> also that Carlos, uh, is, uh, making people aware of what you should be aware of. I2P is under attack. And I do think it has, um, affected some Bitcoin nodes that we're using I2P. Yeah. I forgot to cover that. Yeah. Yeah. There's an attack. Which goes to show is what we were, I was saying, or we were saying, uh, like many times, which is like I2P is interesting as a alternative to Tor, but also because it's not being used, it's like you don't really know. It's not used as much. So like you, you don't know how, how robust it is. Like you start to find, you find these pain points after it starts getting used because then it gets, starts getting attacked. Yeah. Beware freaks. But um, we need these options. I also had a separate freak. I had a separate freak reach out to me, uh, not in the live chat. And I just wanted to say, um, I was not trying to shame Monica Lewinsky. I put that squarely on Bill Clinton. He was in a position of power. <laughs> yes, Matt. Not shaming women. She was. She was a victim. Um, yeah, another thing, important. not on the list. We should mention shout out to Fetty, um, on their raise $17 million. Yes. Huge raise. 
Yes. Congrats. Um, 1031, Vets in Seed Round and Fetty, we're extremely happy uh, with what they're doing and what they're bringing to the world. It's a beautiful thing. Shout out to the Fetty team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, huge, huge, huge congrats to Fetty. I remain extremely bullish on the Fediment open source protocol and also the Fetty team's uh, implementation of the front end. Yes. I think it's, I, people are just not expect like, well, I don't want to, I get accused of hyping an unreleased product. So I'll wait to hype a release product, but it's coming. Yes. I'm very hype on it too. Uh, and I will hype it. I think it's going to change things materially in terms of what we can build. Yeah. But I went a little interact. bit too hypey. I went like, I was very, I'm, I've been very aggressive with it. Yeah. You should be more aggressive with it, Marty. Level me out a little bit. I'm pretty bullish. Shout out to Obi, Justin, Eric, the rest of the team at Fetty. I'll pump you. Their out. whole team is fucking fire. Their whole team behind the scenes is fucking fire. And I met a lot of the Fetiman open source contributors, the unsung heroes. They're amazing. The Fetiman open source project, separate of Fetty, is a vibrant developer community. Yes. It is impressive. And I um, hope to provide a lot of support uh, through open sets on that side as well. Give me a second here. Well, with all that said, Marty, I got to wrap this. I got to get out of here. It's been Let's a good see. rip. Yes. Well, I, I want to shout out the no, Jodem from um, the, the Fettyman open source protocol. Uh, Jodem was fucking awesome. He was in the commons last week and incredible dude. It was great to meet yeah. him in person. I met Jodem. Yeah. He's an inspiring story too, personally. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah he's okay Jodem on Twitter. Yeah. Shout out to everybody. Great dude. We're going Fediman open source protocol, Fetty team working on their platform. We're gonna shout out Jodem. Also huge shout out to Kitman. Fucking Sh- legend. Shout out to the whole team. Okay. And shout out to the whole team. Yeah. Freaks, Matt's gotta go. I've gotta go too. I actually have to get home. Do some parenting. It's important. You gotta be a I love you, father. freaks. I love you, Marty. Uh, it's always a pleasure. This was a great rip. Uh, freaks, just a tiny bit of fear in you. Don't let the fear take over you. Come on, man. Just a like, We open the episode where we're not going to be doomers. Just a tiny bit of fear just cracks you in line. Just prepare for the worst, hope for the best, stay on the stack sets. You sound like a drug dealer. It's like a tiny bit is a little hit. All you need is a little hit. You're going to get hooked on fear. They're going to be like uh, paralyzed by burn it. Burn the Bitcoin like you burn the drugs. Otherwise, you're complicit, government. We're going to be com- we're going to be confident. We know where we're going. We know what the lifeboat is. We know how to get out of this. We got strong communities. We're going to get out of this, freaks. It is going to be a little scary, though. Peace and love. Take care. But also learn how to swim. <laughs> <laughs>